We are going to be continuing on in 1 Corinthians. We just started our study in 1 Corinthians last week. So if you weren't here last week, you haven't missed a whole lot. We're just digging in. We're going to go through the book of 1 Corinthians. It may take us a few months, but we'll be in here as long as the Lord wills. And we will be in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 31. We'll conclude 1 Corinthians chapter 1. You guys will have to bear with me. I'm still coming over the, whatever sickness I had this week, so I might kind of cough and snuff and sniff, but I apologize, but we'll try to get through it together, so just bear with me. I also will say that it hasn't been too long since I've preached from this very passage, so some of you may be saying, I, you just preached on this a few months back, and you are correct. I, I did preach on this a few months back, but since we are going through the book of 1 Corinthians, I didn't want to just skip over it in case some of you weren't here, so we're just going to preach through it again. It's a good text for us to look at. Not that they all aren't. We should uh, continually be reading all of God's Word, but I think that this is a, a good text for Christians to uh, remind themselves of. So some of you are going to say, well, I've already heard this stuff, and I'm going to say a lot of the same stuff I would have said a couple months ago, but uh, we're going to cover it as we go through 1 Corinthians. These verses talk about uh, what, what wisdom really is. Not, not in man's eyes, but in the eyes of the Lord's. We want to understand this morning what a, what a godly wisdom really is. And that's what we're going to look at in these verses today. So we'll pray, and then we'll read through the text, and we'll just kind of see what God's Word has to say to us this morning. Father God, we come to you today, and I thank you for these words, and I pray that they would be, they would be good words for us. God, there is a lot of power in this, in this that we're going to read today. And help us, dear Lord, to see your wisdom. Help us to see your Son, Jesus Christ, through your words. Not just these few verses that we look at, but any time we read your word. God, help us to see your guidance and your leading us in this world, that we would not lean on our own understanding, that we would not lean on our own knowledge and what we may think is wisdom, but God, that we would seek you and know what you for sure say is wisdom. God, that we not get caught up uh, with things that, that, that maybe we don't understand. And dear Lord, there's no harm in, in, in being smart and having knowledge and trying to learn, dear Lord, but, but you call us to something so much deeper than, than just a, a head knowledge, God. And will you call us to a heart knowledge, a heart change, a heart wisdom, so help our hearts to be changed this morning. I pray that you would hide me behind the cross and that you would speak through me with these words that are yours, God, that your words, that your Holy Spirit would change the lives of each of us in this room today. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Verse 18, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. Now, last week we had talked a little bit about uh, there being some division in the church. That was kind of what Paul was addressing at the very beginning of the church. There appeared to be uh, some, some division there, and it was far greater than just some disagreements. It's not just that the people had differing opinions of things. That's, uh, we talked about last week that if that was the case, then none of us would ever go to church anywhere. There's always going to be some, some differing of opinions. But these, these differences here in the church of Corinth, which went much deeper than just a, a differing of opinion, they were beginning to cause divisions in the church. People were beginning to choose sides. We talked about how when a church gets to the point to where it is beginning to choose sides over who we're going to take in a situation, then that is a good indicator that things in the church are probably not what they should be. 
Now, that's not to say that there may not come times in our church as Christians that there are people who are speaking heretically and, and, and teaching false teachings that are not biblical, and we should stand up against Christians in those times or, or professing Christians when they are preaching and teaching things that are, that are clearly false in God's words. But there are times where it is okay for us to, to disagree as Christians. And so we don't want to confuse those two as we, as we looked at the text last week and talked about in great detail. But what was going on was there was a great division and it was not, not working for the good of the kingdom of God. And Paul was addressing that. <clears throat> Paul was saying, look, you guys as Christians need to, need to focus on what matters. That is the foundation of Jesus Christ. That is Jesus Christ and Christ crucified. So Paul was saying, we're not going to be picking sides and saying, well, I'm going to follow this person or that person. We're not going to squabble and fuss and feud, but instead we're going to come together and, cro and the cross is going to be what brings us all together. That is the only thing that brings us together as Christians is the cross of Jesus Christ. There is nothing else that ties us together but the cross and the cross alone. And so that's what we saw in the introduction last week in 1 Corinthians, and we're going to, 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 to continue on with the cross of Jesus Christ and, and, and kind of what, how that is viewed in, in our world today and what God has to say about uh, our human wisdom and our human foolishness. Verse 18, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is God's power to us who are being saved. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will set aside the understanding of the experts. Now, we, we are going to see wisdom referred to in a couple of different ways in this passage here. And we want to make sure we understand what Paul is talking about when he's talking about uh, human wisdom and when he's talking about godly wisdom here. It says in verse 18 that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is God's power for those who are being saved. Well, that, that really sums up, you know, we can see that in our world today. We can see that in our world today. We see that, how many times have we ever preached Jesus Christ to somebody? And we've preached their need for forgiveness of sins. Or maybe we haven't personally done it, or, but we've seen someone else do it. Or we've heard stories of someone who took a stand for Christ and they were... <clears throat> They were met with people who didn't want to hear that good news. They said, you're talking crazy talk. It's foolish for you to say that a man who died on a cross a few thousand years ago could affect me. How is that going to save my soul? And there are many in the world who would say just that. When we present them with the gospel of Jesus Christ, that good news that they can be forgiven by his blood and death on the cross, there are so many in this world that when we tell them that, they will say that we are foolish. But for those of us who believe, the Bible does not say it's foolishness to us. Instead, it says it's, it's power to us. Why? Because, because where do we go to when we're in our deepest struggles, in our, in our deepest times of need, in our deepest depressions? We go to the cross. And we gain strength from that because we know that we serve a Savior who has suffered in every way that we have, yet He is without sin. We know that Jesus Christ is there for us to be, to, to comfort us, to be there for us, to lead and guide us. We know that God's Word continually gives us words of encouragement, words that points us to Jesus Christ and what He has done on our behalf. And so when we are down, when we are in our weakest state, we draw our power from the cross of Jesus Christ. 
That's why Paul was <clears throat> getting everybody back to that point last week in the passage we looked at. He was getting them back to that foundation of Jesus Christ. And now he's making that point saying, look, listen to this message. He's saying, to some of you it's going to sound like foolishness. But even the ones to which it sounded like foolishness, he wanted them to know the power that was in the cross. Now for some of you this morning that are in this room, you are experiencing and have experienced as many times in your life you've experienced the power that comes from the cross of Jesus Christ because you have nailed at the foot of the cross spiritually. You have gone before the Lord and you have pleaded and you have asked Him for comfort. You have asked Him for guidance. You have asked Him for forgiveness and you have experienced that power that only comes through Jesus Christ. Some of you have experienced that this morning. But there may be some of you in here and you are the foolish. You may have come to church and you may have heard of the cross of Jesus Christ thousands of times in your life. Or maybe you're hearing about it today for the first time. And I want to tell you that if you're hearing about it for the thousandth time or the first time, that it is not foolishness. It is God's plan, and God's plan fulfilled only through Jesus Christ is the only way in which we can receive any forgiveness. Which is the only way that all of the evilness that we've done can be, can be cast away, can be covered, and that is through the acceptance of the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you think it's foolishness, then you need to read God's Word. You need to seek the Lord. Because the only hope that we have is in what the world would call foolishness. <clears throat> For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will set aside the understanding of the experts. Now, what this verse is not talking about that, that is necessarily an evil thing to have wisdom and to, and to, and to have knowledge. Uh, there is nothing wrong with that, with us trying to seek some knowledge and seek some wisdom. But what the Bible often talks about when it talks in terms like these is that so many people are relying simply on their own man-made wisdom. They are relying on what they, they, they have learned on their own. They think they have become wise in their own because of things that they have done, because of knowledge that they, has gained, they have gained. It is a, a man-made wisdom, and it's a wisdom that cannot save us. It's a wisdom that cannot guide us. It cannot lead us. It cannot give us the satisfaction that we desire. That comes only through Jesus Christ. And this verse is saying, look, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and I will set aside the understanding of the experts. God is saying, I'm going to take those who think that they are so smart and that they are so wise and I'm going to level them. I'm going to bring them down to where they really are. And that is, I will show them their foolishness. I will let them know that they don't really think that they know as much as they think they know. Have any of us ever done that before? Have any of us ever thought that we knew more than we, than we really knew? I remember I was about 16. I, I was when I used to think I knew everything. Some of you probably were in that same boat. And, and, and what God's Word is saying is that there are some people in this world, maybe some in this room, and you think that there is a certain amount of wisdom that maybe you have gained through uh, your studies of the Bible or because you are so smart or so well-read and you've, you've come to church so much and you've, you've done all these things and you think that you've, you've, you've got some kind of deeper understanding, but you've missed something along the way. Because you're focused more on human wisdom and what you have done, and you're not focused on Jesus Christ and what He has done. <clears throat> God is going to destroy that kind of wisdom, but, but Paul is calling us to a deeper wisdom. Where is the philosopher? Where is the scholar? Where is the debater of this age? Hasn't God made the world's wisdom a foolishness? 
Now he begins to point out these, these group of people. He begins to point out the philosopher and the baiter and all these people of, of this age. And we experience these people. We see these people that, that, that want to ask these deeper questions and try to understand why things are the way they are. And they, and they begin to research and they begin to study and they begin to look at all these areas and they spend their whole life trying to seek and understand science so that they can find answers to all the questions to know that there must be a for sure answer to why and where and when and all of these different things and there are so many people who will begin to invest all of their time into a worldly knowledge and, a, and all of these different things and it will consume them. Now, I'm not preaching against science or worldly knowledge. I don't have any problem. I think it's good for us to learn, and it's good for us to ask questions. I don't think it's a, it's a bad thing for us to ask questions, but it is a bad thing for us when we begin to think that we can find the answers to our questions in someone other than the Lord himself. The Lord is the only place that we are going to find the answers to our questions. And even, that's, even sometimes then we don't get the answers to the questions that we would want to ask the Lord. You see, there are so many people who are seeking, who are seeking, who are seeking, who are seeking, but they're not finding because they're not seeking in the right place. They're trying to gain their understanding of godly things through worldly things. But we can't do that. You see, because at the end of the day, Ultimately, we're not going to have answers to all of our questions that we have on this earth. At least, I don't believe we will. I believe there are always going to be questions that are going to be raised. There are going to be things that we don't know. As smart as we have become as, hum as human beings, it's, it's clear God put a brilliant mind in us. Look at the things we have been able to accomplish. And even in all of our knowledge that God has blessed us with... I believe there are still going to be things that can't be explained. There will still be things that there can't be an answer to. And for many people, that's a problem. For many people, that's a, a stumbling block. And they, they continue to seek that if they, if they just find a little more knowledge, it will, it will unlock everything that they're looking for. But we as Christians aren't called to believe based on our great knowledge but based on our great faith that we have in Jesus Christ. For it is our, our faith that saves us. It's not that we aren't to grow in the Lord or we aren't to try to, to seek to, to know more things. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. But we have to know that our ultimate satisfaction and everything that we're looking for is not going to be answered and found in mere knowledge. It is only going to be found in the Lord. I could never give you proof the Lord exists. You say, wait a minute, you're a preacher. I, there's, there's, there's probably, if, if you don't believe, there's probably not a whole lot that I'm going to say to you that is going to make you believe in the proof category. I can't give you proof. I can give you God's Word. And for me, that's proof. Because I have faith in what God's Word says. And we are saved by our faith. We are saved not because we know all the answers. I don't know all the answers. I don't understand why God does everything that he's done or why he has done it the way he's done it. But I believe his word when it says that he sent Jesus Christ to be the one and only son of his who could die on a cross and save our sins. I believe that God is perfect and I believe his way is perfect even if I don't understand it. And I have faith in that. And so I seek the Lord. I don't seek the knowledge of, of the world. And Paul says here, look, 
all of this, uh, the philosophers, the scholars, where's the debater of this age? Hasn't God made the world's wisdom foolishness? As smart as we can be in our own, in our own human self, it's only foolishness to the Lord. No matter how much human wisdom we can gain, it's still foolishness to the Lord. For since in God's wisdom the world did not know God through wisdom, God was pleased to save those who believe the foolishness of the message preached. That's good stuff. It says that God's pleased to save us who, who were foolish enough, who were just foolish enough to have faith that what God said was what God meant and that what God said about <coughs> Jesus Christ was true and that He alone is the Savior of the world. It pleased God to save us who say, You know what, God? I'm going to have faith. I may not know all the answers. I may not be the smartest guy, but I believe in you and I believe in your son. And the Bible says that it pleases God when we do that. <clears throat> for the Jews ask for signs and the Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. It was a stumbling block to the Jews because uh, they didn't understand. They didn't understand that the Messiah who was going to come was going to be crucified on a cross. They couldn't comprehend how that could be God's plan. They couldn't understand how that could save them from their sins. They couldn't understand. And so it became a stumbling block for them. Jesus was a stumbling block for the Jews. They, 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 they eventually had him killed because they just didn't understand what God was doing. And for the Gentiles, it was, it was just the opposite. They didn't understand because they didn't, they didn't know the promises. See, the, the, the people of God, they knew the prophecies, the promises of what was to come, yet they missed it as a stumbling block. And the Gentiles didn't really get it because I don't think they really understood what was going on. They didn't know what to expect. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles, yet to those who are called, both Jews and Greek. Christ is God's power and God's wisdom. So he's saying, look, to those who are called, it don't matter who you are. You see, I believe God calls all of us who will come to Jesus Christ. I believe God calls us. And that's what Paul is saying here. Whether you're Jew or whether you're Greek, no matter who you are, Christ is God's power and God's wisdom. Because God's foolishness is wiser <coughs> than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. It kind of helps us to put things into perspective. Even the smartest and wisest person that ever has walked this earth, whoever that may have been, does not even compare with God on his worst day. God is so much greater and wiser than us, and, and so many times we want to ask why and figure out why God does things, but we just can't even do it. Because in our, in our human capacity, we cannot even comprehend the wisdom that God has. We cannot even begin to comprehend why God does things the way that he does. Because God's wisdom is much greater than our human wisdom. Verse 26, Brothers, consider your calling. Not many are wise from a human perspective. Not many powerful, not many of noble birth. Instead, God has shown what is foolish, excuse me, has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something, so that no one can boast in his presence. But it is from him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became God-given wisdom for us, our righteousness, 
sanctification and redemption in order that as it is written, the one who boasts must boast in the Lord. It kind of puts everything into perspective. You see, there is, there is nothing on our own that we can do to earn God's favor. On our own, we are, we are weak sinners. And for many people in the world, they look at the story of Jesus Christ and, they, and to them that seems like weakness, that a man would, would give his life, that a man would die such a horrible death on a cross. To them, that seems like foolish weakness. But to God, it is His chosen plan. And God takes what the world looks at as weakness. And through that, we see God's power. We see God's love in all of its fullness. To some of you, maybe the cross of Jesus Christ looks like foolishness. To some of you, maybe you're trying to seek a worldly wisdom or you're, or you're trying to find understanding or you're trying to find meaning in something else in life and it's not there. I can tell you, you're not going to find it. You're not going to find meaning in anything in life, no matter how smart you are, or how dumb you are, or how wealthy you are, or how poor you are, or how good of a job you have, or how bad of a job you have. You are not going to find happiness in any of those things. You are not going to find satisfaction in any of those things. You are not going to, to be where God desires you to be if you're seeking those things. If you don't believe me, read the book of Ecclesiastes. It's a short book. But you'll learn really quick that the, that the teacher in Ecclesiastes realized that there is nothing in this world that is going to bring satisfaction. There's no wealth, there's no fame, there's no power, there's no amount of knowledge that is going to give us what we desire. And it's foolish if you, if you think you're going to find it there. The only satisfaction that we are going to find is satisfaction in Jesus Christ. That's what Ecclesiastes, it goes through all of telling us what we're not going to find in this world, that is satisfaction and stuff, to, to, to get to the main point, and that is the only satisfaction, the only joy, the only peace that we're going to find is when we fear the Lord and when we seek Him. When we realize that we can do nothing on our own, that's when we seek the Lord. That we, we have nothing to boast about on our own. That's what Paul closes with. He says, look, there are so many people that are, that are trying to boast in what they have done, what they have learned, what they can accomplish. And Paul says, look, here's the truth. It's Christ and Christ crucified. And in Him alone I boast. And that is all we can boast in. Because we cannot do anything on our own to earn favor with God, to earn forgiveness from God, to draw closer with God. We can't do it. But Jesus Christ has done everything that needs to be done for us to draw closer to God, to have a relationship with God and to have forgiveness from God. <clears throat> so there's nothing we can boast in. There's no one we can turn to apart from Jesus Christ. The question you have to answer today is, what is your trust in? What are you boasting in? Do you look at the cross of Christ as foolishness? Or have you experienced the power that the cross of Christ offers? Are you boasting in what you can do? Do you think too highly of yourself? Or do you realize your humble state before the Lord? Do you realize that you are a sinner in need of a Savior? Are you boasting in yourself or are you boasting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? We all have that choice to make. People of Corinth had that choice to make. And Paul was saying, look, don't make the wrong choice. 
Don't miss the gift that is Jesus Christ. Don't miss the love of Jesus dying on the cross for your sins. Don't think too highly of yourself, but think perfectly highly of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we come to you this morning and thank you for your good word. And God, we, we need to be reminded of these verses, even as Christians sometimes. God, we, we may try to take on too much ourselves. We may begin to think too highly of ourselves and what we have done or what we can do, but God, the truth of the matter is, is that any good that is done through us is because of you, and it's not because of how great we are. So God, maybe if there are some Christians in here today that have begun to doubt your word or begin to seek some, some, some answers to questions or some comfort in other areas other than Jesus, get us back on track, dear Lord. Maybe, maybe we begin to doubt, but help us not to doubt, God, but to seek you. Dear Lord, help us not to, to, to think of the cross as foolishness, but help us to go to the cross for our power. On our worst days, our darkest days, our toughest days, our scariest days, dear Lord, let us go to Jesus Christ for our strength and guidance and power. God, maybe there are some in this room that, that have never accepted Jesus Christ, and today they realize that maybe the cross isn't as foolish as they thought. Maybe today their eyes were opened to the fact that they've been trying to seek some satisfaction and comfort and, and understanding from the world. And maybe today, God, your Holy Spirit help them realize that they're not going to find it. They're not going to find the answers, the satisfaction, the power that they want by things of the world. But dear Lord God, that if they come to you and accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they will experience your power full force, God. And so I pray that if there is one that has not accepted you today, Lord Jesus, that they would come, that they would make that decision today. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen.